obviously you want to try to eliminate these kind of games as much as possible and um, try to build something. So um, just got to come back, continue to work at practice, and, and like you said, just keep being consistent as, as a group. But when you're consistent with practice and games, it makes it a lot easier on everybody and each other, and um, that's kind of what we got to strive for, I think, is, is good work consistency. I think we're kind of like we touched on earlier, we're just trying to make plays, and sometimes I think as we're kind of built on playing north, uh, instead of trying to make sometimes a little play, and I think that's where, where we can get back to a little bit. Um, I think this is obviously all personal kind of feel, but um, just more north-based north, north based group, I feel like. Um, get the puck north, go to work. And, um, even any team, that's hard to play against if you play against a team that plays north. Um, I know for a deep, deep defensive standpoint, it's hard to play against, so um, that's how we're built. So, Well, that's Colton Pareko after yesterday's 8-3 to loss to the Nashville Predators and the St. Louis Blues returned home for the one game before heading out today for Chicago and Minnesota. Those will be the next two games starting tomorrow at the United Center. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Kerber. Thanks for tuning in to Curbside Reaction. It's your next day post-game podcast, helping you break down everything and getting you caught up with everything related to the St. Louis Blues game from the night before. Well, the Blues fell to the Predators, as I mentioned, by a score of 8-3 to yesterday. The record now sits at 10-8-1. They're 21 points, still good enough to have the Blues in the top wildcard spot after 19 games. But with the scores from around the National Hockey League yesterday, those races tightened up a little bit more as most teams have either hit or are just about to hit the quarter pole of this new season. Coming up on the podcast, you'll hear from Justin Falk in a blunt assessment of yesterday's loss. Greg Berube talks about it as well. Joe Vitale helps break down the game of Jordan Cairo, the power play and special teams aspect from yesterday. I'll give you my three observations as well. And we also hear from Tim Woodburn, who weighs in on yesterday's loss. But before we go any further, let's get you caught up with the highlights. Long shot coming in. Oh, man. Hofer was knocked down, and the Predators find it and score. Forsberg is able to chip it in. Hofer didn't see it behind him. I think the Blues defense thought he had it locked down. And Nashville's going to get their first goal of the game and take a 1-0 lead. Falk pinched, but the puck got bypassed up three on one. They bring it in. They tuck it on. And Hofer keeps that one out as Trennan tried to put it between the legs of the Blues yeah, goalie. He's saying it's and him. now are they going to say that the puck went in as he drifted back to it? You're hearing the play. The puck did completely cross the goal. They're free of a goal. Rude gets to the bench, pass deflected near wing, tapped in and scored. And the Predators have made it 3-0. Thomas to Butchnevich, over to Scandella. Scandella sweeps it in front, they shoot, they score! Butchnevich pulls his team into it. Makes it a 3-1 game with 3.28 to go in the first period. On a play that started with just the grit of Jake Neighbor. Sherwood. Into the middle. They shoot, they score. It was coming. Spencer Stastny scores for the Nashville Predators, and the Predators regain their three-goal lead. It's 4-1. to one. Forsberg back door to O'Reilly. Tap in goal. Ryan O'Reilly has the Predators on top. 5-1, a 5-on-3 power play goal. 15-14 to go, period number two. In the slot, Evangelista with a chance, and they score. Right as they go back at even strength, it's 6-1 to one, Nashville. Blues goalies right now are just getting hung out to dry. Far wing for Brandon Saad. He enters the Nashville zone. Butchnevich near wing. Thomas, he scores! 
43 to go. We're just halfway through the hockey game. Lusa made it six to two. Poke the puck up the far side, but they can't clear it. It's into the slot. They shoot. Predators score. So had the Predators touched that puck, it would have been whistled dead on a high stick. Proof jammed it out of the scrub. Nashville steals it, and they've made it 7-2. Kairou looking for Butchnevich. That pass gets blocked. Comes back to Thomas. Into the middle to Butchnevich. Bouncing puck at the line. Lose to a great job holding it in. Kairou. Sets it up. It's getting scrambly. Krug with a drive. They score! Neighbors deflects it in. He's got points in four straight games. That's a power play goal on home ice. And the Blues have made it a 7-3 score. Predators shoot. They score. They get the puck back from Bennington after an awkward turnover behind the net from the defense. Bennington made the initial save, but the rebound went right to Sherwood, who bangs it in. It's 8-3. Krug takes it in and dumps that down into the corner, and the Nashville Predators as the time ticked off. The Nashville Predators will come to St. Louis and jump on top of the Blues by a score of 8-3 here tonight. And the Blues will head back out on the road with a couple more divisional games coming up. Steve Ott kind enough to throw the headsets on for us right after the game, and Steve, uh, what happens from a bench standpoint when a game starts to get away like this one did? Well, I mean, you have only one way to kind of try to get yourself in and find a way to, to, to make a game of it. And uh, those are the kind of games you want to try to make sure you finish the game the right way for the fans and the people that came in attendance as well. Steve, was there an individual or an aspect of the game that you found as a positive in this afternoon's game? Not really, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we were struggling on early, and uh, we couldn't really find our footing, and obviously the game got away from us. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we got to clean up, and that's uh, one of those games that we just, uh, you know, there was a lot of lot of things that were just average or below, and we have to all be, all be better. Part of uh, this time of the season, part of still finding the stride is managing those ups and downs a bit? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's part of it. Uh, nobody likes uh, obviously getting blown out at home, and it's it's not a good feeling by anybody. And I know our guys have been really resilient on games like these, and uh, we owe it to ourselves and and make sure we're ready to go on that next one. Well, the Blues did fire 39 shots on goal, and that's the fifth consecutive game in a row now with 30 or more shots on goal. But again, they fell to the Predators by a score of 8-3. to Lankinen got the win, and Joel Hofer takes the loss. Well, let's get a few nuggets out of the way before we get to more reaction. Yesterday's game, when Joel Hofer was pulled, was the third time in the last five games that the Blues have had to pull their starting goaltender. That's a trend that I'm sure they would like to see stopped. The Blues have allowed 24 goals now in the last five games, and that came from a team through through the first 15 games was one of the stingiest teams in the National Hockey League. They've now dropped to 14th, allowing 3.11 goals per game. Six of the next eight games for the Blues are going to be on the road. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Jordan Cairo. He only played three minutes and 27 seconds and four shifts in the third period, didn't play the final 11 minutes and nine seconds of the third period yesterday. Nick Letty, this is some crazy nuggets. He was the only Blues skater without a shot on goal yesterday as the Blues did pump a lot of shots on net. And every St. Louis player in that game yesterday was minus or even, except for one, 
Marco Scandella finished with a plus two. That's another crazy little nugget from yesterday's game. So with that in hand, let's go into the locker room and hear from the head coach, Craig Berube. I, I liked our start the first five, six minutes. They get a goal. I think we got it froze. It's not. They, they put it in there, and then we um, jump in our D, try to poke a puck in, in the offensive line and give up odd man rush. They score again. And I think we just unraveled or whatever after that. Um, but puck play and um, puck battles for me were not very good tonight. Second period, I mean, they get pressure on us have an opportunity, then we go down, we give up another odd man rush, and then it's in our net. Took penalties, um, unnecessary penalties. I, there were effort penalties, but you gotta be, you gotta, your stick, you gotta be, that's your job, is to manage your stick. Took penalties, and we didn't We didn't do a good enough job killing them off. I think sometimes we just don't stick with the plan. We come, we get away from the game plan, because um, we're down, and there's no reason to. The game plan will work. Just stick with it. And you got to battle your way back, obviously, but you know you can't make it up immediately. It's not going to happen normally. You just got to keep playing, and you chip away, and you get a goal, and then you're back in the game, and then you know maybe get another one. You tie it up. But right now, when we get down, we're we're forcing everything too much. We're trying to get back in the next shift, and we're not just playing the right way. We also check in with Justin Falk after the loss. It was pretty sloppy. Um, we didn't have. Ten of legs, we kind of uh, made some boneheaded decisions at times too, um, and uh, I mean they came ready to go. Uh, they they had some energy. They had they had legs. They were on top of us everywhere we went. So we, we could have saw that and saw that it was going to be a tough game, and uh, they were ready to go. So we needed to kind of bear down and and uh, buy into that, and then we just weren't able to get going. We just got to be mentally tougher. It's a it's going to happen. I mean. Um, we can't let getting scored on first um, or even second too um, kind of make us change our game. Um, the game plan stays the same. It has to. We have to um, play that the whole 60 minutes. Um, you know, leads, leads change all the time. It, it is what it is. I get that there's uh, stats that probably say if you score first, you have a better chance as well. But um, it, it's not every night, and you got to just buy in and go and um, – play a hard game and uh, it, it, we've been having trouble with like you said the once the first one goes it seems to be uh, a few more than we'd like and uh, you know at that point let's be honest it, it gets easy to play uh, the other team that's usually up by four even three at that matter um, tends to kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and uh, makes it you know maybe you feel like you got yourself back in the game or that you played a better game but um, we all know it's uh, it's not the same game when the, there's that big of gaps, and uh, we just we haven't been able to control the, the beginning part. We just got to be just play better. Um, uh, system's fine. Um, I, I don't I wouldn't attribute any of our losses this year to to a system or anything. I think um, whether it's turnovers or uh, slow play, um, we've been kind of in between. One game good, one game ready to go, and second game or third game, whatever. It's just uh, a little inconsistent on that, and we just need to be better at that. Well, that's Blues defenseman Justin Falk. Now let's get back up to the broadcast booth. With Jordan Cairo not playing much in the third period, the special teams battle on the power play and penalty kill weighed in yesterday. In the overall aspect of the game, let's get the breakdown from Joe Vitale. One thing to be, to be very clear about with this coaching staff and the St. Louis Blues team 
is they are running into a lot of issues right now, especially over, let's call it the last five games of what happened last year. They're not keeping pucks out of their net. That was the biggest adjustment they did coming into this season. It was the main focus in the offseason. And listen, it's been very good in some spurts. You go back to that three-game winning streak they had before they entered that Western California road trip. You win 2-1. to one. You win 8-2. to two. You only allowed two goals, excuse me, one goal, two goals, and then you shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, something has definitely flipped as then you allow five and you lose against the Sharks. You lose five, you lose to the Kings. You allow only the one against the Ducks. But then even though you win that Arizona game, Curbs, you still allowed five goals against, and now you allow eight in this game as well. So a ton of goals going in over the last five games for the St. Louis Blues team. Very uncharacteristic for how they've been from the start of the season. And you heard Steve out there. You heard the tone in his voice. There's a lot of work still to be done. you know. And, and this is the, the ebbs and flows. This is the rhythm. This is the ups and downs and the momentum swings of what a season is. I remember talking to Braden Shen after that Colorado loss two games ago when we went to Colorado. They just got thumped by Van. They just got thumped by Colorado. They come home, everyone's licking their wounds, and then they go on a nice three-game run. And then, of course, you go on the Western California swing, you drop the first two, then you're down. Then you finish off with the good two, and then you're back up. And then right back here on home ice, after you've gained some momentum over the last two, yeah, you had a bit of a bit of a stinker here in this one as you lose the game, unfortunately, 8-3. to three. Uh, but Nashville came out humming along. This is a team that is going to be in the mix up until the very end of this season. I was extremely imp- impressed by their work ethic. Of course, now with the new leadership of Ryan O'Reilly, from what we un- understand, we've gathered some information from some other people in Nashville. He's really galvanized this veteran group. He's showing the players there how to win, what it takes to win. Uh, they've gotten some great goaltending. They're scoring at will right now. So a very scary team again in the Central Division. It's the first time we've seen them all year, and this is going to be one that's going to be there till the very end as well. We'll have to wait and find out uh, the post-game reaction, find out if maybe if there was something up with Jordan Cairo, maybe nicked up injury-wise. Who knows? But on the stat sheet, you look, and he did not play the last 11 minutes and 9 seconds of that third period and only had four total shifts in the third period. Yeah, we mentioned in the broadcast. I, I didn't see him a lot. I don't remember you calling his name a lot. Of course, then that's when you did a little prep work there to find out exactly what's going on. But that's a big number for me, the 11:09. He didn't play a shift the rest of the game from the 11:09 minute on, You know, especially in a game where you're going to spread out the, the playing time because you're down by five goals in that stretch. So for him not to play, maybe this was a lesson. Maybe this was a, a coaching point and a coaching a turning point, rather, for Craig Berube, not only for Jordan Cairo, but for the entire team. You know, I didn't love Cairo's compete. I thought he lost some early 50-50 battles in that game. I think that, to me, that's what was Craig Berube was a little bit agitated by through those first two periods. What do you do? You drop him down the line. Craig Berube did that. He elevated Jake Neighbors up there with Buchnevich and Thomas, and you bring Kairou down. He started him out there with Braden Shen and Saad. Then he moved him down there with Hayes, and it just didn't seem like anything was sticking. Even Oscar Sundquist, he spent a little time on Oscar Sundquist's line there too, and you didn't really notice him grab a game. Uh, one of the things about Jordan Kairou is he's such an elite player, which is, which is the gift, but also it comes with a big responsibility that in times and games, you're going to need those those players to, to show up. You know, you look at the best players that do it around the league. You may not notice a Nathan McKinnon for 20 minutes. You may go two periods without noticing a Nathan McKinnon. But but before that game's over, you're going to see Nathan McKinnon explode and do something great. 
right? That's what makes those great players great. You can't quiet them for 60 straight minutes, and that's that's the learning point. That's the learning curve here for Jordan Cairo now is even when you have an off 20 minutes, how do you bounce back and how do you how do you bring people back to the edge of their seat by a play, by your speed, by a breakaway move, by a shot, something in the game? And I don't know if Craig Berube saw enough of the compete and enough of those plays curbs where um, he deserves some ice time there at the very end and maybe a learning lesson there for number 25. There's a lot of discussion, and justifiably so, surrounding the Blues' power play. They did finally get a power play goal here on home ice. But the other side of the special teams is one that there hasn't been a whole lot of, of talk yet. The penalty killing has been decent. Mm-hmm. They Six shorthanded goals is fantastic. But there's also room for improvement on on the penalty kill as well. Is is Yar seeing these goals go in and, and on? And it's it's one of those things we talk about the power play. The penalty kill can give you some momentum too. It, it can, and it's unfortunate tonight that that five on three happened the way it did, especially when you have a fresh goaltender just coming into the game. There's not much that. Bennington can do on that backdoor Ryan O'Reilly tap in, but there were some other uh, power play moments for Nashville that really hurt the St. Louis Blues throughout this game. You know, you are hoping that at some point in the season you step over the boards and you just know that it's going to be killed. And I don't know if right now the St. Louis Blues are there, and they're not the only team. There's plenty of teams across the league that are that way. Special teams are interesting. You know, you look at that Blues team that won the championship. At stretches throughout that playoff run, they actually didn't have a great power play. And, you know, their penalty kill was pretty good, but they didn't necessarily have a power play that won them games. You don't you don't necessarily need a good power play to win you games, but it really does help. We were talking about in the pregame as we were talking about that goofy game versus Arizona. Alex and I were mentioning how sometimes you just got to outscore an opponent. Sometimes everything's going in. It's a way to win. Some games you're going to have your goaltender stands on his head like we saw, of course, Joel Hofer do in Anaheim against the Ducks. That's a way to win, right? Sometimes you're just going to just completely stick it to the other team and, and you're going to figure out a way uh, to just syph- uh, suffocate and constrict the opponent from any life like we saw in the Ducks game. Many different ways to win games, and special teams is just one more tool you have to add to your box. So when the five-on-five five gets shut down, Maybe your goaltending isn't great that particular night. Okay, not, not great goaltending. We're a little bit loosey five-on-five. Five. Okay, here's our first power play. Let's go out on the ice and let's make a difference. Again, it's a tool you have in your toolbox that can help you win games. And right now the Blues, with that special teams, especially the power play on home ice, it hasn't really helped them grab games. So what does that do? It adds so much more pressure not only to the goaltending, but your, your play five-on-five five to get execution and find offense. All right, last thing here from a breakdown standpoint, that is now three games out of the last six that the Blues have had to use both goaltenders. Yeah, it's just not good. Again, too many goals going going in. Eight tonight, five against Arizona. Uh, they had the one good game against Anaheim, but then you go back-to-back five goals against for the Sharks and the L.A. Kings in both those losses. So too many goals going in. To be fair, I think this team in those games where we've seen a lot of goals has been a little loose. We've seen a lot of openings in tonight's game. You know, a lot of open areas, a lot of shots in front, way too much traffic. The D can do a much better job boxing out. There's some backdoor options that are just there, like we saw on the O'Reilly goal. A lot of these goals the goaltenders can't do much about. But to be fair, I think the goaltenders would be the first to tell you this, there are some goals in these games that the goaltenders probably should have, and that's why they're getting pulled. If, if you look at when a goaltender is being pulled, if the goals are not necessarily their fault, more times than not, the head coach will leave them in. The fact that they have been pulled is a sign that this coaching staff, as they communicate after every goal, look at a goal either should it have been saved 
or shouldn't have been saved. And I think there were a couple in tonight's game for Joel Hofer that maybe could have been saved or should have been saved if he was on his game. Maybe they weren't. I think the Stastny one through the high slot, he was a little bit off his mark. That was the one that he got yanked from. The Bennington one from Nick Schmaltz there in Arizona two games ago, maybe that's one if he's in better position. It stopped. It's saved. Maybe you're in a different position. But I think that the fact that they're being pulled is a sign in itself that the goaltenders can be better too. I think everyone can be better. Special teams, five on five, a ton of individuals, and this goes right back to the goaltenders. Because there are times that the team does not look good, and we give a lot of credit to the goalies. Yep. But I think in this late stretch over the last five to six games, I think it's, it's fair to say that the goaltenders on out, everyone can be better. All right, what do you have for your Bud Light three stars of the game? Number three here tonight, Robert Thomas, the only blue in the stars. One goal, one assist for the two points. Evangelista, number two, two goals, one assist, three points. And Philip Forsberg, he was a crusher here tonight. Two goals, one assist, three points for Philip Forsberg, number one star. And in work boots, hands down, goes to the captain. Braden Shen had some monster hits early in that game. A great fight against Lazan. Got the people on their feet here and some good shots during the third period as well. So Braden Shen, the captain, worked the, worked the work boots here this afternoon. All right, Joe, thank you. Tim Woodburn, well, he's a veteran hockey broadcaster of 12 years. He's covered major and minor league sports for 30 years. He's a St. Louisan. He's a big Blues fan. He's part of the Curbside Reaction podcast. Here are his thoughts on yesterday's game. Hey, Chris, it was a pretty gloomy Friday afternoon for the St. Louis Blues at home and their 8-3 loss to the Nashville Predators. Tell you what, statistically speaking, they had 18 shots in the first period. They won over 60% of the faceoffs in the game. They doubled up on Nashville on hits in the first period, 8-4, and they're down 3-1 after one period. The goaltending probably had their worst game of the year. The Blues finally scored a power play goal at home. Tell you, it's just really nothing positive really to say about this entire game. There are are just so many perimeter flaws. I mean, 18 shots in the first period in one goal, and it's because they all come from the outside. You know, a lot of Nashville's goals came hard at the net, and the Blues are just not a hard-at-the-net team. The Blues are a perimeter team. They're a rush team. They're a counterattack team. But when you give up a three-on-one seven minutes into the game and then another goal 28 seconds later, you're not going to win too many hockey games. I don't care how many hits you have in the first period or how many face-offs you win. So, whew. A lot of work to be done top to bottom. I hope uh, Craig Ruby can keep everybody's head up because today, really the most positive word I can say, and it's not a very positive word, but there are worse words, but about the most positive word I can say today is that it was pretty much embarrassing. Reporting for the Curbside Reaction, this is Tim Woodburn. All right, Tim, thank you. Time now for my three takeaways. First takeaway, Braden Shen, the Blues captain. Yeah, he had a slow start offensively for the Blues, but obviously came on a tear of late, and he sits now with 11 points in 19 games. But it's not his scoring that was worth bringing up. It's the fact that he was an absolute hitting machine in that game yesterday, and his hits were heavy, they were impactful, and the big hit that he put on to Roman Yossi eventually had him dropping the gloves with Jeremy Luzon, and that fight came in the first period. It came after the Blues were down 2 to nothing. And the one thing that you know for sure, Braden Shen knows how to play that role, to try and fire his team up, lead by example, play by example. And that grit is why Braden Shen is a fantastic captain for the St. Louis Blues. Second takeaway from yesterday's game, you know, the Blues have been a very disciplined team most of the season. Now, yesterday they were on the penalty kill five times. That's the most they've ever been on a penalty kill in a game yet this year. But the reason that it's important, and the Blues have been a pretty disciplined team for the most part, is while there's been a lot of focus on the power play, the penalty killing, it's just average. 
Penalty killing was approaching 80% before yesterday's game. It's hovering right around 77%. Even though the Blues have been a good disciplined team, and even though they've been shorthanded fewer than any team in the National Hockey League, you still want to see that penalty kill percentage get up above 80, maybe to 82, 83%. And then you're going to feel really good about it. It hasn't been bad, but it just hasn't been great. And that's something to keep an eye on as the Blues move past the first quarter poll of the season. And my third takeaway from yesterday's game, well, you got to love what you're seeing with Jake Neighbors. Yeah, you're frustrated with the 8-3 loss, but Jake did pick up a goal. He played 16 minutes and 37 seconds. He had six shot attempts in the game. He had five hits to go along with it. And we have seen in the last few days, Jake Neighbors get moved up from the third line to the second line and by halfway through the game yesterday was playing on the top line with Robert Thomas. You're seeing him get power play time. He had the power play goal yesterday. First power play goal for the Blues on home ice this season. But his play, his consistency, his energy, and his work ethic have earned him a rise right to the top line on this St. Louis Blues roster. And you can see him starting to really come into his own now in the National Hockey League. So a bright spot in the loss for the St. Louis Blues, and Craig Berube touched on his play, has been the play of Jake Neighbors, and let's hope it continues. Well, thanks for tuning in to Curbside Reaction, your next day post-game podcast. We put it up the following day after each and every St. Louis Blues game. The St. Louis Blues are on the road for the next two. They'll play Sunday afternoon in Chicago, followed by Tuesday night in Minnesota as, as they continue this run of games inside the Central Division. The Blues have an overall record of 10-8-1, and, and they'll play their 20th game of the year tomorrow afternoon against the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm Chris Kerber. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Curbside Reaction. Have a terrific start to your weekend, and we'll see you at the rink.